0: Hi, it's J.P. Mac, and this is Liberty Relearned, and no, the darkness you see behind me does not mean this is the Halloween edition, part two, although you probably could have guessed that, uh, poor York, you knew him, you knew he'd be back at some point, but, uh, Anyhow, we are going to be talking about something that can be a little bit scary. We're going to be talking about the midterms. And so let us jump right into it. Now I figured rather than prognosticate about individual races, uh, I figured we'd focus on the overarching issues and how each side the democrats and republicans, the conservatives and the left stand on each side. And so rather than talk about individual races this election cycle, let's talk about the ultimate objectives of the republicans and the democrats. So the republicans basically are going to Uh, focus on the idea of individual individual individualism individual rights and responsibilities where the Democrats or the left as they've become um, are going to focus of course on collectivism so you have already two opposing points of view that we're going to have to talk about and dissect Each group wants something different. Uh, The Republicans, of course, as their name would suggest, they are into republicanism and also federalism. So what that is basically is these decentralization of power. More power in the hands of the people, less in the hands of the federal government. So the way our country was set up under the Republican system or the federalist system is you have the div- division of powers uh, horizontally between the federal branches, the executive, legislative, and the judicial, and then you have a north north south or deep wise uh, division of power between the federal government and then the state and local and finally the individual, and of course republicanism or along with conservatism conservatism in particular has to do with the separation of powers, um, particularly north and south, but also east and west between the three main branches of government. The Democrats on the other hand are moving towards course they would deny it. They're, they're moving towards a uh, more totalitarianism, um, single party form of government. And we'll talk about why that is, why I think that is in, in, uh, in the next few minutes. Um, but they they are more into centralized power and they are into globalism. Whereas the Republicans are uh, more into nationalism, you know, make America great again, or or America first, you know, that's the kind of overriding ethos right now of most Republicans, and so they're a more nationalistic or um, patriotic side. Of course, nowadays, you know, whether or not something's Uh, nationalism or patriotism depends upon who you're talking to. Um, If you're talking to a Democrat, the Republicans are nationalists. If you're talking to a Republican, the conservatives, they would refer to themselves as patriots. And so, the uh, Democrats use of course the more negative connotation of nationalism that way they get to fit that in with the idea of fascism and try to do the attempt to tie uh... republicans to fascists and so that's what they do they're more into globalism okay collectivism and so they are more for an up and down north-south top-down power structure and that's what globalism is. And so we're going to talk about uh, the left and the right. We'll start off about with the left first and why I say that they're moving towards a totalitarianism or totalitarian form of government. They may say, well, it's in their, isn't it in their name, you know, Democrat Democratic Party. Um Aren't they all about democracy? And that, doesn't that imply power to the people? But in reality, what it really means is power to the government, and the people are just their um, validation. What they use for validation for passing what, passing their laws that they want. And so that that's what the key is to understanding the Democrats, and of course. If you've been, uh, unless you've been under a rock for the last few weeks, you know that the Democrats led by President Biden are really trying to hammer home this idea, this notion that if the Republicans win, uh, particularly back Congress and later, if they win the presidency in in 24, that this will be the end of... um, Democracy in this country, and of course that's hyperbole. Uh, they know it, um, we know it, they know it, but what they they think they can convince a certain persuadable group in the middle. You know these people who are we might refer to as low information voters, and they think a lot of their strategy has been in the last couple of weeks to uh, demagogue about the, um, the Republicans, if, what happens if the Republicans take over, um, you know, if the red wave happens, what are they going to do when they assume control, and of course it, it's all, you know, the sky is falling. That's basically their message because they don't have really any achievements to to run on, right? they don't have a good economy to run on they don't have you know they haven't made anybody a freer they haven't made anybody any richer except for these large corporations and you know for their you know crony capitalism but uh... the ordinary person hasn't been made any wealthier richer Um. But, you know, as we've seen under COVID in particular, you know, you had the big box stores, for instance, they did well. Um, big Pharma, they did exceptionally well. You know, they're we are now being forced to consume their products and their aim is to force more people to, concern, to consume their products or pressure people into consuming their products. And we'll talk about a little bit about that too as we discuss the, uh, things that the left wants as opposed to the right. And so let's um, just start from there because um, I think I think we all know most of the people listening to this podcast are tilt right, maybe Republican, maybe independent um, but right leaning. Um, and you know if, if you're a Democrat and you're listening to this you know welcome. Um, hopefully, you can learn something from this podcast that you won't hear from your normal channels, the normal, um, the, the normal uh, mainstream media that you maybe heard. You know your echo chamber. Um, for maybe you'll pick up, maybe you'll learn something uh, about um, how the left views themselves. And how the right views themselves, and maybe you'll learn something about how the ref, the the right will, and conservatives will, um, in their own words, describe what they want. Okay. Um, I can't speak for the entire right wing or Republican or uh, conservative coalition, but I think I do speak for a great number. Uh, Republicans and people who are right-leaning, either, either libertarian or uh, conservative, because um, I, I consume a lot of uh, information from right-leaning sources, you know, in, in the media, on social media, and also um, different programs on TV. Um, so I'm pretty familiar. With, I guess, the, the the moving issues, the zeitgeist, as you will, of the right. And most of the people, I suspect, listening to this or watching this um, know what the right wants. and But maybe we haven't been clear about what the left wants. Um, and maybe even people, Democrats, aren't even clear about what they want. Um, what if they had all of the power that they want, what would that world look like necessarily? What if we took their policies that they're on now and their ideology, what if we took that to its logical extreme? What would happen? What kind of world would that produce? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit here and then we'll explain of course um, about what I believe that the vast majority of conservatives want, the vast majority of like right-leaning people in this country in the United States want. Like I said, I can't speak for all of them, but I do. I do believe. I would. I would. Uh, maybe it's a conceit, but I think that I. I can speak largely for a majority of conservatives on a majority of issues. Again. You know, no two people are like. Um, that's kind of our nature is not to be in such lockstep, as much as you might associate with members of the left or or the Democrat Party. Uh, particularly the way they vote, they tend to vote lockstep, and uh, we Republicans and conservatives are tend to be a little bit more chaotic and less regimented in our approach, and. There's pros and cons to both of those approaches, but, you know, you're going to hear the right-wing point of view. I'm going to try and identify what I believe are the essential components of the left-wing point of view and try and do it as in an objective way as possible. Um, And I stress, you know, as objectively as possible because I'm not a member of the left. I never have been, probably never will be. I can't foresee any circumstance in which I will be. But I do have a good idea of what they want based upon what they do and what they do when they have power, what they do when they're out of power, and what they do when they have power, and what they say they want to do. So I think, well, I'm not qualified to speak as one of them. I think I'm qualified to describe to you what they want. Um, So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the left. So let's start with that. Okay, left uh, basically wants utopianism. That's what they are for. Um, The idea of utopianism is that you have this group of philosopher kings on top ruling making decisions for everybody else it is the rule of experts okay so think Dr. Fauci okay when I talk about experts um so that that's where you should be thinking I believe when we're talking about utopianism so the left believes that men should be ruled by experts all uh, matters of health and welfare should be determined by unelected officials. Which would seem, on the face of it, to um, diverge from the Democrats and their stated proclivity for democracy. We'll see where democracy fits into their overall plans. And, and see if you, after I describe what their idea of democracy is when talk about democracy. Um, see if you're still on board with them, or see if we can't enlighten people about what they're what they're thinking of when they say the word democracy. Because I don't think it's what you and I mean as conservatives when we talk about democracy. I think we're talking about two different things, but we'll we'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, this. Um, the, the rule of unelected officials, this was most clearly seen during the recent COVID pandemic, of course, with elected officials such as Dr. Fauci, um, or our elected officials yielding power to the unelected officials such as Dr. Fauci, and um, the CDC and WHO, so the experts. Okay, but they only tend to listen to the experts from one side who have one concept of what's going on and uh, if anybody else has some different idea about the science they are shunned. And so that's what I mean by the Democrats You know, the rank-and-file Democrats, the normal everyday citizens, have this ironic, I think, relationship with democracy in that they favor um, democracy when it comes to vote, or they say they do, but in actual praxis, they are for more authoritarianism, They're, they're for being ruled by... Uh, unelected officials. So they're for democracy but yet they are quite comfortable with rule by unelected officials uh, as we will talk about. And so uh, Utopianism uh, carried to its logical extreme is a a totalitarian in nature. Only the choices and the only choices in life would be those pre-approved by the state. Someone, a member of an elite, of the elite class will determine what is good for society, the state, and for you. Uh, Democracy won't mean the people will get to determine how they will be ruled. Only which of a few pre-selected candidates will serve in various capacities there are no natural rights in a utopian society. The totalitarian society will run on a series of privileges doled out for the correct behavior and punishments for bad behavior. So really not unlike how prisoners in a penitentiary or prison are treated okay, if they toe the line and they don't cause problems, they're giving more and more privileges as time goes on. If they are uh, problem prisoners they have their privileges revoked and life is harder for them if they don't uh, follow the rules. And so it's really not unlike uh, prison population only uh, writ large among the entire population. And so um, so the, the first thing to talk about with the totalitarian society is control. A totalitarian system must have mechanisms to control the people living within them. Many of these controls already exist in crude but constantly refined and augmented forms today. The CCP in China has a social credit system um, which evaluates people by their actions and doles out privileges um, such as where you can live, work, and go to school, what kind of school you go to, what kind of job you have, given according to the behavior of the people. Um, and these, these are behaviors favored by the party, all right, the experts. So in the case of China you're talking about, when you talk about experts, you're talking about mainly uh, the party members. So they're basically in the case of China it's they're interchangeable. The party are experts. Okay, We have different rule we have different word you know we have ruling class in the United States but we talk about it a little bit differently but in China their ruling class is the communist Chinese party. Um and so but Not unlike in China, Um, here in the West, the system, we have the system of environmental, social, and governance, or ESG. And that has been developed to control the actions of corporations and governments. A corporation's ability to access critical services like banking and access to capital under ESG is determined by their ESG score. So in other words, if they're doing, um, using green technology, if they're using wind and solar, if they're using uh, organically based fertilizer rather than modern uh, farming methods. Okay, this all gets you a um, great, ESG score but as we've seen in countries like Sri Lanka um, you can have a really almost perfect uh, ESG score being doing everything right according to the leaders um, and your country can still um, be destroyed for all intents and purposes so we've seen that and of course uh, ESG is very something that something that the World Economic Forum under Klaus Schwab is very interested. Um, More, we'll talk about more about the ESG later. Um, Things like ESG already control individual uh, behavior, uh, the behavior of individuals indirectly. Uh, The aim of the utopian left is to extend this sort of control to the individual level. So, it already exists indirectly, um, controlling the behavior of most of the people in society like you and I, unfortunately. It's almost unavoidable. Even if we don't partake partake in this ESG or woke culture or what, what have you ourselves, it's still being imposed upon us. We still are living or, you know, we're working for a company maybe that's a slave to their ESG score or what banking we have access to is a function of uh, somebody's ESG score and so where their ESG is already affecting how we live our lives indirectly right now Um, the left wants to under their utopian model uh, bring that down to the granular level to the individual level um like something not unlike what they have in China now with their uh, social score, their social credit system. Uh, so um, the reliance on technology will be used as a port, uh, point of control. Uh, access to things like education, online commerce and entertainment Uh, which is nowadays done mainly online, will be subject to ever-increasing array of rules and and regulation. So Twitter prior to the takeover by Elon Musk um, you in particular had to um, you were subject to the rules and regulations and the whims of the people on Twitter. Um, And that's not too dissimilar to what they do in other social media platforms like Facebook and others um, where Parler and Rumble are trying to move away from that model into more individual uh, uh, free speech model. Um, but you know if you want to partake in uh, today's society you, know, you have to have a cell phone you have to have a computer I mean, a cell phone at a minimum, but usually a laptop, computer at least. And you have to have a bank account and you have to have a credit card or debit card in order to function in to t- to today's society. And so what the left wants to do is use these things as point of control, like your... Uh, debit card will only work to buy certain things. You won't be able to if, if the left has their way, the Democrats have their way. Uh, use your credit card to buy things like uh, firearms or ammunition. Okay, and if they think um, and so if you take that out to where they're going, the direction they're going, um, you'll have things like you won't be able to purchase airplane tickets if they feel that in their um, climate change alarmism you're using too much carbon to travel around the world in a jet or your your car um, you won't be allowed to buy more gas or more plane travel um, then they believe you' you should be allowed and so that's one of the points of control where is you can use your uh, card to buy clothes but try and buy too much gasoline this you know you won't be able to use it or if you're in the wrong industry like if you're a firearms manufacturer for instance you won't be able to access banking services because of ESG and that's all already the case and if you a um, if you're into oil exploration or natural gas exploration uh, you won't have you won't have the availability to capital and banking services to fund your operations because they don't want fossil fuels. They want to choke the amount of fossil fuels being produced. So if you're in a uh, in, in an industry that they don't like, like coal production, coal mining, or oil and gas exploration, you may not be able to access um, capital, you won't be, you have the same access to uh, investment capital that other industries that are more in favor with the ruling elite will, and we are already well on the way to that, that's already something that's happened, it's not theoretical, um, but that's, not, that's going to be, to be continued to the nth degree under the leftist, utilitarian notion of, or, or totalitarian notion of utopia. Um, So you'll have, um, in order to partake in the modern lifestyle people will be made to trade their freedom and privacy for goods and services. Health spending, energy consumption, and location will all be monitored through technology sold as, initially, as a convenience uh... direct control over individual commerce through digital currency is part of the less ultimate control plan um... and this is not conspiracy theory this is what they talk about if you uh... listen to what they're talking about in the World Economic Forum um... or listen to what they say with regards to the federal reserve they're already laying the groundwork for a national digital currency and so they're already well underway um, with their their uh, aims towards their aims of controlling what you can spend and how you spend your money so that basically you'll be given an allowance you won't really have capital in the the sense that we're used to having uh, money as being capital you'll just have an expense account basically Um, so what you you know when a person works for a company they have an expense account they can only use it for certain things they can use it for food and they can use it for lodging Um, some cases they can use it for entertainment or maybe, maybe clothes in certain cases but there's a very limited and controlled thing and basically what that will do is make put every individual consumer basically on an expense account. So what businessmen, what business people uh, have to deal with with regards to company accounts and and expense accounts, that thinking is going to be um, brought down to the individual, the level of the individual consumer. We won't have capital per se that we can do anything we want to with, we'll basically have expense accounts. That is one of the goals. And so if you take what the Democrats are looking towards, every one of their banking regulations, every, and all of their regulations regarding commerce and energy, they're all moving towards this goal. None of them fall outside of that, of, of that goal controlling what you can spend your money on. And and so you can look, um, whenever they propose laws and bills and what laws they do pass and the laws they propose and what the candidates run on, um, you won't see anything, really, that doesn't ultimately lead to somebody controlling what you can spend your money on. Um, Even more so than the government already does. But um, the idea of using money as capital will be a thing of a past. It will be more like an individual's uh, expense account, but instead of the company dictating terms, it will be the government. Okay, uh, next, um, so you'll have, they'll have direct control over individual commerce through digital currency. They're already laying the groundwork for that. Uh, And of course, you know, we know already that you can't get behind, you can't really get along in today's society without a cell phone, a computer, and a bank account tied to a, a card a uh, credit or debit card. And so basically all that's lacking now is the uh, implementation and organized implementation directed and executed by the ruling elite. That is really all that remains to be done. Basically all the groundwork and the technology is basically there all, that is it, all they're waiting for is some person or some group or some entity to organize the implementation of this plan. all. So really that's all that's lacking is the implementation to the, to the degree that they want. Um, Alright, next we'll talk about, when we talk about what the left wants in their kind of ideal world, what they want. Um, let's talk about the division of power and labor. Okay, so the left either consciously or unconsciously has settled on a totalitarian oligarchy as its means of rule. And so those of you who followed the uh, dystopic journal or even this podcast, you know I've talked a lot of times about uh, Orwell talking about the totalitarian oligarchy, how that is organized and the the means by which the totalitarian oligarchy is organized. I thought that was very interesting that here we are um, 40-50 years later after Orwell wrote about such things that we basically that's almost what we have now, at least in a very in its infancy for sure and we're not to the degree yet of Oceania or East Asia or Eurasia as Orwell predicted we would be by 1984 but we're well on the, our way. And so you have the, the, the division of labor. What I mean is who gets to do what? Um, so first of all we have this idea, the current idea is we have nation states, okay, United States, or Japan, or Russia, or Ukraine, or Germany. Um, we have this idea of nation states. Basically, the, you know, there's the idea of sovereignty, where we get to make our own uh, banking laws. We get to may have our own our own militaries. You know, no other. Uh, country is involved with creating the United States military. Um, of course we help create other countries militaries but that's kind of besides the point. You know, organically, it's the ability to organically raise an army, a uh, navy or an air force. And so that power will still remain with the nation state. But that will be basically, it. you'll have military and some degree of police power um, in every other meaningful way, the totalitarian oligarchy will have control. And again, you know, this is not just conspiracy theory stuff, this is, you know, look um, look what Krauss, Klaus Schwab wants to do in his book The Great Reset, when he talks about the Great Reset. This, these are the things he's talking about doing. So, you know, you can call it conspiracy theory if you want to, but it's actually just a regular theory theory. Okay. People just stick the word conspiracy in front of any theory that they hear of being a spouse to discredit it. So that's another tip when when you when once you understand that it's one of those things keep in the back of your mind, um, not to digress too much, but in the parlance of the left, you know, when they talk about conspiracy theories is meaning like it's just a theory. They tack the word conspiracy in front of it to discredit that theory. Okay. You could have nothing to do with a conspiracy or or anything like that in the legal sense or the ordinary sense of the word. So they just that's something that the left tacks on to the word theory usually to to discredit that theory. Anyhow, um, so you have the idea of sovereign nation states does not fit into the left's utopian plans for humanity. Nations will have the ability to conduct military actions which means the ability to generate organic armies, navies, and air forces as I mentioned to use against rogue states and But what I mean by rogue states are, is like Russia. Russia is not part of the globalist program. They're doing their own thing. And so um, that's an example. Um, China is pretty much on board. Um, The only difference is who's in control of the totalitarian oligarchy in a place like China as opposed to the West. That's really the only appreciable difference. So they're allowed to, to kind of be like the experimental or laboratory of totalitarianism. So you have China, um, but even to a, a greater degree you have North Korea as the ultimate form of totalitarianism currently on this planet. So they're like the petri dish or the experiment or the laboratory for totalitarian ideas and implementations when we talk about the communist Chinese party um, having their social credit scores and we copying something very much like that in ESG scores and of course you know we see this with COVID right with the idea of vaccination passports that are still being used in in parts of Europe um, and mask mandates and vaccine mandates now remember, whenever you hear the word mandate, that means force, that means governmental force being applied to the citizens to make them do something in case they can't be convinced to do that, um, usually out of fear. Now, very briefly, we went over what the Democrats want to do, what, they, what their end game is, what their worldview, view, what the logical conclusion, I think, of what they want to happen with ESG. Um, so let's talk about the Republicans and Conservatives. Most of us are either one or the other, both. And so we kind of know what we are, um, but how would we describe what we want to others, okay? Um, because they're going to define us under their terms, right? They're going to define us as Nazis and as fascists and so on, right? To serve their, their needs. But how would we define ourselves? Well, the conservative, particularly in the United States, is trying to conserve the original founding principles of the founding fathers. What is that? That's life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Originally, pursuit of happiness was actually the the pursuit of property because that's, you know, the ability to own property is really the ability, you know, that's the basis of the whole capitalist system, right, is the ability to own property, private property. so it's life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness or property. Um, It is uh, we the people. It is the declaration of independence. Um, The assertion that some governments, if they're not of the people, by the people, for the people, then they are not legitimate governments. Okay, that is the concept. And also there is the idea of separation of powers that no one person in the government, no one entity in the government has too much power. And so you have the again the horizontal separation of powers with the legislative uh, the judicial and the executive branches in the federal government and also the powers running north south or deep um, from the federal government to the states, to the individuals, and the idea is that the federal government was actually very limited in scope, particularly under the uh, the original concept. We've kind of gotten away from that now. We've made the federal government very powerful. Um, We basically made them into our rulers. That's Democrats and Republicans alike, but I would say mostly Democrats or prior to them. Um, other the others. But so as a conservative we're trying to conserve the idea of separation of power no part of the government has too much power Um, we understand conceptually that the bigger the government is the smaller the citizen okay the more the the government can do the less the citizen is allowed to do, and so that is how we define our ourselves, and that's why we are for smaller government, less government spending. Um, like our idea of to deal with inflation is to do, deal with inflation at its source. What's the source of inflation? Well it's mainly, it's it's a lot of things but it's mainly government printing money. We want to limit the amount of money the government prints and of course we had several trillion dollars spending bills. Um, Some have been reduced to just under a trillion but basically we're talking about trillions upon trillions of dollars. Um, Started under COVID, under Trump and has only ballooned since then. And the only reason that we don't have more spending is because there's, you know, there's just enough control in Congress to limit what the Democrats can do with regards to spending. But the Republicans want to address uh, the, the problem of inflation by at the source, which is government printing less money which means the government doing less things with the taxpayers dime. Uh, Less money going out paying for things, you know, the largest going out to the population. The Democrats conversely want to deal with inflation by giving you more money for, uh, to deal with inflation so you know, um, so if Their idea is that if a gallon of gas costs five dollars, well they want to supplement you, they want to give you money or if your grocery bill is two hundred dollars they want to give you more money to make up for the inflation which their policies have caused. Okay, so they don't ever really reduce inflation if you understand basic economics you know that their policies can never work. When they say their anti-inflationary policies you know their inflation reduction act so-called can never reduce inflation. What it actually does is temporarily make the effects of inflation uh, easier to deal with or temporarily lessens the effect of inflation. It doesn't reduce the inflation it just gives you more money to spend on things that already cost more because of their their spending more money and so it becomes a vicious cycle now once you so they say the, the federal government, let me just real quick, uh, federal government gives you money because they caused inflation and now groceries cost more now you need money they're going to give you more money, obviously strings attached. And now them giving you, the very act of them giving you money to deal with inflation is going to cause more inflation. And they're going to, their idea is that they're going to give you even more money. And of course, more, more strings attached, more leverage points as we talked about, more lo- reliance on the government for what you have until you become basically dependents on the government and then you have something like um, a serf, serfdom kind of system there. We have the aristocracy, the high aristocracy and the low peasants acting as serfs. Um, So not a true slave society but something very similar. So it's a regression in the economic system. Um, So that's the main difference um, so you have the idea of role of government. Um, this is why you know that it's just baloney when the um, Democrats talk about um, we're going to be, become a fascist state. You know, if that'll be the end of democracy if the Republicans win in a few days and take over next January. And if, God forbid, if Trump wins or some Republican wins, that's going to be the end of democracy. Well, I can tell you with absolute certainty that if the republicans win in a few days and take over in January that next year there will still be elections. Two years from now, 24, there will still be a presidential election. There will still be a primary process. There will still be elections. You will still be voting for your sheriff, your mayor, your dog catcher, superintendent of schools you know there will still be elections so don't worry I'm here to tell you as, as a as a as much as I can represent the all Republicans or all conservatives or all libertarians as much as I can I can pretty much assert pretty certainty with a great deal of certainty that we'll still be having elections two and four years from now so don't you worry all right, um, so thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate you listening and watching on Rumble. Um, also on uh, following online, libertyrelearn.com. Also at LR Podcast on Getter and following me, J.P. Mac, on uh, Facebook. And on, well, well, me, J.P. Mac, on Parlor and Liberty Relearn on Facebook. So, thank you for listening. Hopefully, this gives you a little bit more information to work with when it comes to making your decision. My guess is you probably already have, but at least you can clarify your decision to others. So, please, um, if you see this in time, go out and vote. Do it as often as you're allowed. Legally, of course. Um, don't be like a Democrat and vote twice.